innovation versus invention. What's the distinction? My guest today, Michael Woodward, has a strong opinion he will share in this episode. After his position at his church evaporated during the 2008 economic meltdown, he went on to found a wildly successful tech startup consultancy. Today, he's driven to tell people that their ideas and their dreams matter. Welcome. Welcome to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast. Off My Duff is all about getting off your backside and finally, making your impact by living your truth. If you are an entrepreneur with a heart to help others, you're in the right place. We chat with guests from seven figures to just starting out because that's how we roll. Off My Duff is the nudge you need to expand your business and slay resistance. So, without further ado, I invite you to get off your duff, and let's get started. Now, here's your host, Duff Gardner. Hello, 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 everybody. This is Duff Gardner, your host to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast. Welcome to our episode today. Today, I am very excited to introduce our guest, Michael Woodward. Michael is the principal founder of JumbleThink, which is an awesome podcast I've listened to many times. He is in the innovation realm, somebody who I've gotten to meet at uh, a few events recently, and somebody who's making a serious dent in the world with some of the projects he's, that have, we have coming up in, the, in uh, this year. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for having me on, Duff. It's, it's good to see you again. It, it was fun to meet you a couple uh, times in the last year at conferences and events, and it's, and it's great to, to see your face again. Ah, thanks. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I was really excited to talk to you because I think one thing that you and I have in common is this concept of innovation. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I can tell you from my own personal experience, when I floated around in uh, digital entertainment realm or in the corporate realm, innovation was something that was uh, at least somewhat understood. Uh, in the entrepreneur realm, it's something that can be a little abstract. And so what I love about what you do is you really ground innovation in some really smart ideas. Tell me what you think about innovation. Well, first off, I want to say that we have to be clear, there's invention and innovation. And a lot of people in the startup world, they confuse the two and the two take vastly different approaches. Apple is a great example of a company wrestling with that dilemma right now. They've been in an inventing company for a long time. And since Tim Cook's taken over and, and I think they've lost some of that visionary standpoint, they've turned into an innovative company. And, and in doing that, they've lost some of their customer base. They've lost some of their mojo, what makes them special. And so right off the bat, I would say we've got to delineate, uh, especially in the startup world, the difference between inventing a space and innovating in a space. And innovation is all about seeing what is there uh, and seeing where it could go. Whereas inventing is seeing what isn't there and creating a new a new realm in which you can go. And so a lot of corporations, a lot of businesses go in thinking that they're one or the other, 
only to find out that they've mislabeled themselves. And so for a lot of startup founders, they may be thinking that they're inventing a new space and really what they're doing is they're innovating. And so innovation to me is that iterative process of going from a, a concept into a new concept into a new concept. It's the evolution of ideas and of products and of services and of messages. Whereas inventing spaces is creating something that wasn't there. Got it. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I have never heard anyone delineate it that way. Um, it kind of reminds me of the concept of blue ocean, which of course, if you're an entrepreneur, that's you're striving to find that. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's kind of like the opposite of a shark infested waters. <laughs> you're trying to find your your space in, in the universe for what you offer. Um, so uh, like, how does that, so when I was looking at JumbleThink and how you describe JumbleThink and the show itself, uh, a lot of what you talk about is bringing your dreams to reality. So yeah. tell me about that vision statement that you have. Have you ever talked to someone who is sharing ideas and concepts all the time? Oh, you know, I have this next great invention. I have this thing I've always wanted to do. It could be a bucket list thing. It could be a business that they want to start. Yes. And so many of those people choose to settle for something else, something less than the dreams and ideas they have. I want to encourage those people who have been on that journey of saying, I feel like I'm created for more. I feel like the ideas that I have matter. I feel like the dreams that I have are significant and yet they feel stuck or they're facing obstacles of fear, of finance, of time resource, and they're just going, I don't know how to get there. The podcast itself is about exploring people who have a dream or, or an idea, exploring those dreams and ideas, and then understanding their process of how they've formed that into something. It could be a business, it could be a book, it could be the next pilot for the great TV show that, that we're all longing for right now. It could be any of these spaces. And to hear their stories and to hear their processes, you learn a couple of things. One, they're not all that different from us. Two, they position themselves to, to be around other people to encourage them. And three, they've taken the leap into the unknown and to create. And sometimes that is a very quick process, but most of the time it's a very uh, drawn out process of discovery, rediscovery of of evolving the idea of pivoting into the spaces that actually generate the outcome or for a lot of people realizing that the expected outcome wasn't actually the outcome that they they need or that they really want and that their expectations were off that whole process is what we're about here at JumbleThink of, of saying we believe one that you're created for purpose two that the dreams and ideas you have matter and three get off your duff to steal your line exactly. and do something about it you know do something to make those things a reality i love that especially that last part <laughs> but uh um you know like what i um working with a lot of service-based entrepreneurs which is primarily the audience of this podcast uh one mistake uh, that they quite often make is uh, around this idea of feedback, mm. you know, and so everything that you say is absolutely true. And I have also seen folks who have a really good idea. It's actually pretty decently well expressed. And so the first thing they do is they go and introduce that idea to a comfortable audience who doesn't have the context around what they're trying to create. They go into that with sort of fragile confidence and the next thing you know, they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. 
Right. So tell me about that. Like, cause, cause that's something that I've noticed quite a bit. Yeah. Telling your dreams to the wrong people is always a setup for failure. Mm -hmm. I, I was just recently, I'm reading a book and I've been studying the life of Joseph in, in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And it, that's an example of telling the wrong people at the wrong time, the right dream. He had a dream and that dream was that he was going to roll over many people. And, and, and in his journey got him there. Uh, but in that, telling it to the wrong people, those people are like jealous of the dream. They don't expect him to be great because he's the littlest of the brothers and all of that. And so they say, hey, your dream's not valuable. And a matter of fact, it actually makes us quite mad. So we're going to sell you into slavery. And I think that often there, there are different groups of people that we share our dreams with. There are those who encourage us, who want the best for us. And sometimes they overinflate uh, the, the concept when they really should be saying, you're onto something, but you're not quite there yet. On the flip side, there are those people who you tell the dream or idea to, and they see it. And because of their own insecurities, because of their own situations, they judge you out of their own internal struggle versus actually treating your idea and dream separate from themselves. And so they're judging from that place of, of selfishness, of, of, of uh, being jealous, of being afraid, of being... Uh, you know, and uh, I guess a good way to say it is sometimes your dreams push them into places that are uncomfortable for them because mm -hmm. it, it challenges them to think, well, I could be doing something too. And so it makes them insecure about that. And so these people who sometimes are well-intended in what they're telling you are actually operating from a place of wounding themselves. And it's, you know, there's that old saying, uh, helping hurt people. So you're either really helping them or you're actually hurting them. And there are a lot of people who are well-intended, but because of their own junk, they actually speak uh, death into the dreams and ideas of a lot of people. And so I look at that story from the Bible of Joseph, and here's a guy who comes in and through being able to rule yeah. and being second in charge of Egypt is able to save his brothers. So it wasn't about power and domination in that story, but it was about he told the wrong people. They sold him to slavery. It should have killed the dream, and yet the dream still lived. That's a great example. Um, I love that. Uh, one of my favorite authors in the innovation space is t on faculty at Stanford, uh, and she wrote a book a while ago called uh, What I Wish I Knew When I Was 20. Mm. And, uh, you know, she teaches uh, something that she calls um, intention in, um, uh uh, expectation failure, intention failure. So there's this idea that we have a certain um, sense of the utility of something and to challenge ourselves to figure out new uses for it. And so one of the famous examples is where she gives people a, in class a paperclip and they're told mm. to create the, the greatest amount of value they can. Um, who are some of your innovation uh, mentors or leaders, some people that you really think are all that in a slice of bread in the innovation space. Yeah, so a lot of the people I look to are people that are no longer with us. Okay. There are people who have passed on and people I'll never get the opportunity to meet because well, they're dead. And so um, people like Steve Jobs, I love his ability to see the simplicity of idea, but also to see how it could shape and change conversations and society and culture. I look at Walt Disney and his ability to like 
capture the story and mm -hmm. communicate it in such a way that it draws us in to be a part of the story. I look at how not only did he do that, but then how out of his failures, uh, there's, there's a great documentary called Life Before, or Life Before Mickey, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's all about his journey of like the stuff we don't really hear about often, which was how it was all falling apart, how people stole his intellectual property, how people did all of these things, how financially he was really unwise in his decisions. And yet he was able to overcome and build one of the greatest businesses of all times. So those are two of the people I look to often. Um, and then beyond that, I look for people who are a little off the radar. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. they are people who are not product or service based, but more message based. Uh, Nancy Duarte is a great example of that. She runs a company called Duarte. They specialize in the creation of uh, presentations for companies like Apple and Cisco and other companies. Cool. And her understanding of how to communicate idea, how yeah. to communicate uh, innovation, it fascinates me. I mean, she is a, a, uh, uh, a student of innovation, but she's now definitely an expert of it and has been for a long time. Yeah. When you were talking about Walt Disney, I was just noticing Stan Lee the other day. I just actually caught Aquaman. So I was just thinking of him as well. Like the, the, the hoops that they would have had to go through to create what they created is just yeah. fascinating. Um, you talked about story in that part of the segment and I, I, I think that in, uh, that's, a, that's a big focus of Jumble Think, the, mm -hmm. the podcast, is the stories of innovation. Yeah. So tell me about that. Yeah, we, we say that the podcast is the stories of ideas. Okay. Uh, we talk to dreamers, makers, innovators, and influencers. And ideas, all they are at the most basic level is a story. Right. And if you want that story to come to life, you have to have other people buy into the story. And to do that, you have to craft the story. I don't know about you, but I know I've shown up in so many different spaces and gone to present something and people kind of get glossy eyed. Mm -hmm. And that has to come back to the story I tell. On the flip side, I've gone into uh, pitches for our business. I've gone into presentations that I've done and you tap into the ethos of what's going on in the people. Uh, a good friend of ours says the audience is the hero. And I think that's so true because, because often we make the stories we tell about us when if we're trying to communicate an idea where we want others to buy into it, whether it's selling your product, your service, or your idea for that matter, you need them to feel like it's their story, that they're a part of the story. And so by changing the perspective in which you tell the story, you communicate it at a whole different level. You look at people like uh, token or uh, C.S. Lewis, or you look at uh, people like um, um, just blanked on her name, Harry Potter writer, right. and you look at the stories that they create, and they're stories in which you can envelope yourself into the story, that you can feel like you're one of the characters along for the ride. Mm -hmm. And we need to do that in entrepreneurship. We need to do that in business. We need to be able to craft a story. Mm -hmm. You look at Tom's Shoes, a great example. Here's a company that they're like, buy one, get one. You could just say, hey, we're going to buy one, give one. We're going to, for every pair of shoes you buy, give one out to somebody else. But then they were able to captivate us by the stories of how that transforms somebody's life. When they don't have shoes in the jungles of the Amazon, what does it mean for them to have a different level of health, a different level of mobility, a different level of, of accessibility 
by just simply having shoes. Or now they're launching the optics side of thing. How do you, how does being able to see clearly change the life of a child in Africa or in India? Those stories cause us to have an affinity with the, the brand that you look at like Skechers who tried to do it. And they just said, hey, we're going to give a pair of shoes away when you buy a pair of shoes from us. And they were copying a model, but they didn't have the ethos. They didn't have the story. They didn't have the culture that came along with what they were saying. And so what they were doing was good, but they were doing it from a profit side. Whereas the story Tom's was saying was, we saw a need. We figured out how to create a business to fulfill that need. And then we want you to buy into us so that we can Fulfill the, the, the dream, the, the idea, the, the purpose of our shoe company. Yeah, I think the idea of ethos, excuse me, that you're speaking of is incredibly important for a lot of folks. And I talk about this a lot, like we're stepping into this age in the next 10 years where they predict that over 50% of us will be in some form of self-employment. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm right? gonna pause you there for a second. Yeah. If you haven't and you're listening right now and you haven't gone to Duff's website, he has a really cool video right on his front page that talks about this very big shift. I was even watching it earlier today, <laughs> and you. I just uh, not only is it visually captivating, but the story again, story that right. you're telling us uh, based on the shift that we're seeing from employee based to uh, freelance based or uh, solopreneur. It was really well done. So anyway, all that to say, for those listening, you got to go check out that video and hear more of what Duff's talking about because it's so important. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, and thank you. And um, the, the word ethos is such an important word because um, this is, having gone through the experience myself, when you're transitioning into this idea that you're out on your own and working for yourself, there's a lot of people telling you what to do. Your, your experience is going to tell you what to do. Your instinct is going to tell you what to do. And the next thing you know, you know, you're, you're, you're completely incongruent with your values and you're doing stuff that you didn't even realize it. You know, like it's just, it's very discombobulating. It's a, that's a Canadian word. So, <laughs> so, so, um, so hanging on to it, having an ethos around your brand, uh, in the context of innovating and bringing your idea to life, I love that you're talking about that. It's an incredibly important thing to do in this time and age. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely it. agree. Yeah. Uh, man, you've talked about so many cool things uh, today. And I, uh, the one thing I'm curious about is how you got here. What's your, how did you get to be doing this thing? What, what's your origin story? I'm super curious. Yeah, I didn't set off to be in this space, this kind of... Uh -huh. has been an evolution for myself. I worked at a church for eight years. And when the recession hit, they couldn't afford to pay me, which doesn't work for the numbers for paying bills uh, necessarily. And so I, I volunteered there and continued working with them. Instead of being an employee of the church, I went out and started uh, working for a friend of mine. And he owned uh, a marketing company that was in transition they were transitioning from traditional marketing into a digital marketing realm. And this would have been 2008, seven, eight, nine, around there. Okay. And so I went to work for him because he said, I know you need a job. We do a lot of work in the philanthropic space together. Why don't you come work for me? And so I did. And, and that lasted for about a year. And he wanted to go, he was in his late fifties and wanted to focus on his philanthropic endeavors that he was working on, some of the books he was writing, some of the charities he worked with. And so myself and another guy at the company bought out the company. 
uh, we split the company. Uh, and then that guy got a job at Apple managing version control for all of Apple. So I bought uh, his half of the company, uh, built a big company and, and had the opportunity to work with a lot of crazy cool companies uh, from small businesses to Fortune 100 businesses in the web development space. Okay. I didn't plan on being there. And one day, my business coach, we had done quite well in the web space, did a lot of work with startups in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And my business coach said to me, Mike, what, what do you want to do? I said, what do you, what do you mean? I, what do I want to do? I have 12 employees. I've got tons of clients. We're, we've got to hit payroll. We've got to make client projects hit their, their timeline. You know, there's a lot to do here. What do you mean? What do I want to do? I'm doing what I have to do. He goes, but you get to decide what you want to do. And that question has messed with me for several years in this journey. It's mm -hmm. been a question that I've racked. What, what is it that I want to do? What I set out to do years ago when I worked at a church was to pastor people, to pastor people through tough life situations. Right. We worked with a lot of, I was a youth pastor, worked with a lot of youth that were coming from very broken families uh, where most of their family were probably meth addicts. And okay. so that came back to, to what I'm doing today with Jumble Think, where it's like, what, what do I want to do? I want to pastor people to help them understand who they're created to be and understand how their dreams and ideas matter. And so that's where Jumble Think really took the launching pad of what do I want to do? I want to help people figure out that they're created for something and what they're created for matters and that their ideas and dreams matter and they're significant. And so my story is one of coming back to my roots a little bit, but doing it outside the confines of the four walls of a church and really meeting people where they're at and saying, you know, I see so much potential. I see the dreams that you see and, and how can we make them a reality and coming to that, to that place. So my story is one of accidental discovery along a path that was unexpected. Yeah. We were talking about that off, off offline and I, I have a ton of respect for you just in terms of what you're doing. Um, I, I can only imagine that experience and and what it meant to you and and what you you know how you've how you take that into the world today, and um, yeah, so that's 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 awesome. I, some of the some of the stuff that you talk about today is really insightful too. Uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier is the distinction. Uh, you talk about this idea of false intimacy, uh, mm -hmm. also creative purpose and micro experiments. Those three ideas are super interesting. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so I was born in 1981. That makes me 38 right now. Uh, and I don't feel like I should be 38 right now. I feel like I should still be 20 something. That's a different story. But in that process of when I was born to where we are today, a lot has changed. Sure. There has been huge shifts in technology, how we communicate, how we connect with each other, how we engage with each other. I worked in the tech sector working with startups, helping them launch billion-dollar businesses. That's one of the things we did with our web agency. Yeah. I have been on the front row seat, as many of us that were born in the early 80s, to the evolution of social media and to social networking and to online digital commu uh, community and community through texting. And there are a lot of good benefits to that. When I lived in Northern California, it was an incredible way to stay in touch with my family on the East Coast. But on the flip side, there comes a point in which we have to question the true intimacy in which we operate from. When we consume people as data, people that we don't actually have a true touch point to, 
by vicariously seeing their lives through social media feeds, we're no longer in a place of intimacy. We're actually detached and consuming people as data. Uh, and, and that's fine if you're studying a historical figure, you know, you can consume them as data. But when a person is going through life, there is a sense of responsibility that comes with the intimate knowledge of their life. And through the social media channels, we've lost the touch point of saying, you know what, Duff, if you're going through a hard situation, it's one thing to say online, dude, that sucks, thinking of you, praying for you, you know, pulling for you, I hope the best happens. It's yeah. another thing to say, I have a responsibility because of our intimacy, because of our connection to say, I need to do something. I am responsible for the exchange, for our touch point. And so when we go past the digital realm and into a place of intimacy, when we remember this place of simplicity in connection, we remember that intimacy is more than understanding what people are going through. It's actually taking responsibility to walk through that journey with them. And that's the place where technology and coming from that tech sector, I, it really is a struggle for me to say, what is our responsibility as developers? But beyond that, as humanity, mm-hmm. where do we get or how do we get back to a place to say, you know, if you lose your job, I'm responsible to step in and say, we've got to be a part of the solution. When you're going through, maybe it's somebody listening and they're going through a divorce, you know, it's one thing to, to go through that journey online. It's another thing to sit with the person and cry with the person and talk with the person, you know, and, and to bring back that place of intimacy. And so what I say is that um, the internet breeds false intimacy without a sense of responsibility. And we need to bring the responsibility for each other to say humanity is too fragile to not care and to not be in touch and in face proximity, face to face, whether it's a virtual connection, but having the real conversations, being willing to laugh together in, in the great moments and willing to cry together, willing to carry each other's burdens through moments where we might not be able to do it on our own. And so that question of responsibility in a digital age has to be asked and it has to be answered and we have to step up to the plate and say we believe too much in each other to be disconnected by being connected yeah i love that and it's really important for people who are stepping into obviously you know if you're a service-based entrepreneur you're having to market yourself online i mean that's just part of the new normal it's something that you have to learn how to do it's a skill you have to learn And so in doing that, it's very easy to slide into exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah, both sides of that too, by the way, not just yeah. sort of saying, hey, you know what, that's terrible. And then moving on to the next person, uh, but also um, putting it all out there too much. So you're asking for yeah. like way too much from your audience. So they're kind of overwhelmed by what you're asking. So yeah. um, absolutely, like just having an ethos, again, it's back to the word ethos around how you participate yeah. in the online community and making that ground you. And, and I would take it one step further in mm-hmm. the space of entrepreneurship as service-based providers. Yeah. One of the worst things we all deal with is isolation. Sure. And there's a great saying, again, my business coach would say, he's British, so he can say it in a cool accent and it makes it sound even cooler. But he says, kings and queens only know what kings and queens know. And so it's that process of 
isolation is the death march of entrepreneurship. If you want to kill your business, try to do it by yourself. That doesn't mean you have to hire employees, but it means that you have a network of people around you. You have people supporting you, uh, whether it's through a mastermind, whether it's through your customer base, but you need to be connected and you need to be connected with other people who understand the struggles, the, the cycles of business that understand that not everything's always going to be perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, just with that in mind, you've got a lot of really cool things coming up here uh, in the short order. Uh, you've got some virtual idea camps coming up. You're speaking in New York at Idea Summit, and you're, you're speaking at Harvard uh, coming up as well. Thomas, tell me about some of that stuff. Yeah. So some of that is about the podcast space. Uh, sure. It's a space that I love being a part of. It's a space that is uh, one of the ways I think story can be told well. And it's an equalizer to an extent where uh, no-name people like us can get uh, in front of millions of people to hear the stories, the interviews, the conversations we want to have. Pretty cool. And so uh, some of the events that we'll be doing are based around podcasting, how to podcast, how to craft a narrative and interview, how to go through the process of figuring out the right technology for your podcast. And so that's, that's a lot of fun. And then idea camps are our own internal idea here at JumbleThink we've been working on mm -hmm. for a long time. And basically, we've all been to summits, we've all been to conferences, we've all been to really cool events and we go home inspired. But what happens when you leave and inspiration isn't enough to get you through to the next day? Well, idea camps are, are these events, and we have virtual and in-person events. Mm -hmm. uh, virtual idea camps are much shorter, but they're concepts of, of innovation. How do you vet an idea? How do you process through an idea? How do you uh, really have idea formation that makes your idea strong? Uh, so we talk about that in the virtual. And then the in-person idea camps, we go a step further. Not only are we talking about these concepts, not only are people being inspired, but we're gonna do rubber meets the road, masterminding together so that you have a battle plan, a strategy for the next three months, six months or a year to go through the process of saying, all right, I'm leaving here not only inspired, not only excited, but with a roadmap to a future that I can create. Hmm. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that again, back to what we talked about at the beginning, uh, so many people come up with great ideas and they're just, they, they don't necessarily know how to form them and to execute upon them. So I love it that that's what you deal with in the idea camps. I think that's really needed. And I would encourage anyone listening to uh, check out Michael. Uh, maybe what I'll do at that point, at this point, is I'll just point people at your website, if that's okay. Uh, your yeah. your uh, podcast is fantastic. I really like it. It's innovative in its own right. I I've... I've been sort of reverse engineering it a little bit as I, as I step into that realm myself. Uh, so you can go and check that out on all the platforms. That's JumbleThink. Uh, you can search on Michael Woodward as well. Uh, and uh, also, uh, we were just talking about this offline. It's wonderful when you've got some web development experience because Michael has created a very special link for you today. Uh, that is jumblethink.com forward slash off my duff. So that's jumblethink.com forward slash off my duff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You're the first person who's ever done that for me. So I'm honored. Thanks, Michael. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah. excited to have your, your listeners uh, hang out with us a little bit too. So, Yeah, I, I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, you're you're interesting uh, person. I think that people who are service-based entrepreneurs, you've really given them some insights into how to think like an innovator, how to sort of think through how to bring your idea to life. 
And uh, you're very inspirational in terms of just having a strong ethos around your business. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks. I really appreciate that. And I'm excited to watch your journey of podcasting. I know that uh, you're going to do an incredible job and craft some really cool content coming out. So I'm going to be tuning in uh, as it goes live and excited to hear and watch this journey unfold for you. Hey, thanks so much, Michael. Appreciate it. All right. So thank you to all my listeners today. Uh, always love having you. And as you step out into the world and make the impact that you want, make sure to teach what you love and to live from your truth. I'm Duff Gardner. See you next time. Bye now. Hey everyone, I'm Duff Gardner, and you've been listening to my show, Off My Duff, the Entrepreneur Podcast, where we're all about getting off your backside and making your impact by living your truth. If you're like me and you're an entrepreneur with a heart to help others, you need an offer that sells. An offer that sells helps you get traction with your business, more sales, more clients, more gigs, more fans, and more deals, period. And here's what I believe. Your offer is the purest expression of your truth. So that's why I've created a free ebook, Offers That Sell, the eight-step revenue breakthrough system. Simply go to offersthatsell.com forward slash book to grab your free copy, and you can even follow it up with a chat with me, should you wish. It's been wonderful to have you here with us today. And as you get off your backside to make your impact on the world, remember one thing, teach what you love, live from your truth. I'm Duff Gardner. See you next time. Bye now.